1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.
0: Price and coverage match limited by state law. We are joined this week on Sox Degrees by the two guys from Cespedes Family Barbecue. You know them from at Cespedes Barbecue because they just tweeted at Reese Hoskins again. Jordan Schusterman and Jake Mintz. Two of our absolute favorite people who enjoy baseball more than just about anybody else in the world. Hi,
2: gentlemen. It is so good to be wow. here, uh, Jason. Thank you for the kind introduction, uh, especially because people normally say Jake's name first, and uh, I really, it was, it was pretty cool that you went ahead and said Jordan first. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm not. Gonna, it's fine. I don't mind usually, but it, it's notable when someone goes in the other direction. Here's why I did that. Um, two reasons, actually. Number
0: one, it took Jake 20 hours, I believe, to connect to the podcast. And then number two, um, the, uh, the other reason is you were the most important guy over the past couple weeks when Jake was biking 1,200 miles. You were his pace car, safety car, respite, life raft. So everybody, Jake, Jake biked 1,200 miles uh and jordan was there with him how was being the safety car
2: um it was good i mean it was a safety car support car pace car a lot of different uh you know ways you could you could phrase it um but it was a pretty easy lift for me i mean i'm really only driving a couple hours a day and because of that I, uh, you know, it was really just more about weird intervals of like, when did I have to leave the hotel and whatnot? Uh, but Jake was the real star of the show and Jake got to actually bike across this great land. And, uh, I think he could probably tell you it was much more interesting. He got into far more interesting things than I did driving from hotel to ballpark to hotel.
0: You didn't, you didn't like have adventures of your own where you stopped at like nine consecutive friendlies or something. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
2: you're right I should have done something like that I did I did get to go to a cool uh, a few cool spots that Jake did not um, I got to go to uh, a spot of a 650 foot Babe Ruth home run in Wilkes-Barre Pennsylvania that was very cool I enjoyed that stop I got, got to go check out a uh, good friends at Major League Wiffle Ball in Brighton Michigan that was very cool I'm sorry to have my but look Jake Jake biked 1200 miles let's let Jake say a few things
0: Uh, Yeah, I think I'm in for that at this point. Every day is leg day for Jake Mintz. How are you?
1: I'm fine. Uh, People are concerned about my physical well-being. And for that, I am grateful. Uh, At no point was I in pain. It was certainly arduous. I was exhausted. Jordan can attest to that. But there was really no doubt at any moment that I would complete. Like, I was going to finish it. Well, especially once I got through Pennsylvania, It was all just, can I make it? Uh, Are there going to be any bad breaks? If not, I was fine. I feel good. I feel stiff. I got back on my bike yesterday for the first time just to feel the legs out uh, with no goal in particular, uh, no destination out there in the Midwest for me, just a a leisurely ride. But I feel good.
3: Jake, I have to ask you, um, and I'm guessing you would have done this and finished it had you set out to do it no matter what. But once it's publicized, you're going to finish it, right? I mean, that's the big motivator is you can't go halfway and just be like, eh, maybe maybe next year.
1: I needed a real reason to bail, right? Like if, God forbid, I like fell off my bike and like ran into a tree or, you know, I something happened, right? Like it poured. Like if we had gotten a hurricane uh, across... Michigan while I was there people would have understood if I had not completed it i was dealt such a fortunate hand with weather and with really my bike not getting too many flat tires that i was really felt obligated to finish it out and and come through how many flat tires so i got a total of 5 flat tires um over 1200 miles but 3 of those were on a bike so jordan carried a backup bike that was more of a road bike. And there were a couple of days where I used it to try and get a little bit cute because it goes faster, uh, there, but it was also susceptible to flats. And I ended up getting three of those flats on the bike that I really didn't need to use. So my main bike that I rode, I would say 95% of the miles on, that bike had only two flats the entire time uh, on day 11 and on day 13. And, and Jordan, you-
3: did, did you have a moment where you you met up With Jake, and you're like, I'm kind of tired today. I got to be honest. I'm just not feeling great.
2: What, for me?
1: Yeah,
3: yeah. (laughs) Bro, Williamsport. You're like, God, I've been driving all day. I just, no.
1: I showed up to Williamsport, and Jordan was exhausted. And I was like, (laughs) screw you, man. Like, you got to be able to, like, rally here. I'm sorry.
2: (laughs) I would say that the for me you know the, the the job was more like get to the park be like okay jake's gonna be here at x time we want to do xyz blah 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 and like i'm gonna have to run out of the park when jake gets like all that stuff right so it was just like kind of getting there in time and then doing that but again Not I'm not complaining. It was good. It was easy. I got to go to 12 baseball games in 14 days. Um, It it was really just the earlier days when we were like packing in a whole bunch of stuff before the game. Uh, As as the trip went on, we didn't have as much planned at each stop. So I would say that. And then the other thing I I would just say, when you mentioned the flat tires and everything like the way that Jake planned this. There were no shortcuts. Like he did the whole thing. All the hotels we stayed at were within like two or three miles of the ballpark. Like it wasn't like a situation where we went to the game and then we bike, you know, we drove 20 miles, you know, east or West. And then, and then he started by like, no, he and, did the whole, it was a very offered, legitimate. You, offered, I did offer. I, I Jordan did. Was I was
1: like, yo, for Detroit, like you have to do a hundred miles tomorrow. Let's just say like 15 miles West of Detroit. And I was <laughs> well, like, nope, we're going right. to stay East of Detroit.
2: And and the time when the 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 time when he did have the worst flat tire, which was again required only one rescue mission, which was at eight a.m. outside of Detroit, where he was like, "Oh yeah, no, the the the, you know, flat tire and the the pump broke, so you got to come get me." I was like, "Do you want me to like make up the time and you know drive you twenty miles of the road?" He's like, "Nope, nope, 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 we're doing it, we're doing it legit." Uh, and so I just want to, there there and was no there was no sh-
1: funny business. I have to thank Jason Benetti, personally. Because the one flat tire I got was leaving Detroit at 7.45 a.m. Most days at that time, even earlier, I think it was like 7.15. Most most days at that time, Jordan would be sleeping. And he would not rise until 8.45 or 9 o'clock. Over that morning, there was an Olympic baseball game on that Jordan woke up early to listen to you. And for that reason and that reason only, he was awake and available to bring me my backup bike. So, Jason Benetti, if it was not for you, I might still be biking from Detroit to Lansing, Michigan. What would you have?
0: Thank you. I guess I. What would you have done if he was still sleeping?
1: I had a patch kit, which basically is like a glue situation where you can like fix holes in your tires, but it is like a total schlep to to have to do that, and it probably it would have taken me like you know half hour to do it, and I just was not in the mood, so I called Jordan instead. like I could have been okay, like I would have figured things out.
3: So
0: Jordan, like first of all, I, I have to say, I love your friendship, because like Jordan just has decided, this is all Jake's thing. Like you guys are such close friends that if Jordan every once in a while was like, oh yeah, and I did this, like Jake would totally understand, you guys are best friends. But Jordan, you're being so ministerial about this. You're like a general in the Army. You're like, you're like, no,
2: I didn't do any of this. Jake did all of it. Like, no. this is protocol. Well, well let me let's let's be very clear. Um, we when we got to the end, or one of the last days, I remember leaving South Bend, we went to the South Bend Cubs. and Jake was, you know reflecting on the trip and thinking about, you know how how relatively easy it had been, right? And let's be very clear. He, I don't think he could have done this without me. <laughs> right. Like, like, I don't think he could. Like, presumably, he could have physically, you know, done all the same amount of biking. But having, he would have done it with, you know, two, three pairs of clothes. I don't know if he would have camped. I don't know if he would have, like, been able to go to the baseball games. Like, th- yes, I, I did play a pivotal role. But I just don't want people to make it seem like that he like as far as a support van goes like on a day-to-day basis I was not needed very very often so and yeah and, and I also just want to say that like again like he planned this whole thing I mean he got us into this mess and so he he did all the logistics and everything so like I'm you know I'm grateful for that and, and that's how it how it worked out so got us into this mess for Sox fans who are not
0: aware of <laughs> the the bike trip's reason yes uh Jake
1: care to care to share wearing your 83 jersey So I don't know if Sox fans know this, but Tony LaRusso is the manager right now.
0: Oh, yeah. And
1: not sure if anyone saw that on the news. But uh, back in October, uh, when the first rumors started percolating out into the baseball sphere, uh, I was incredibly doubtful. I was I would say incredulous. I was, you know, very confident that there was no way that the White Sox would hire Tony LaRusso. I just didn't think it was going to happen. And. I went on our podcast and I said, that if the White Sox hire him, I would walk to Chicago from New York City, uh, my apartment in New York, I would walk to Chicago. As the rumors continued to bubble out, I doubled, tripled and quadrupled down each time. And that kind of built the narrative of the trip. Like you're going to have to do this if they hire him. They hired him and walking was never considered because that would have taken two months. And would have been. It wouldn't have even been fun. Like it wouldn't have been cool. Like it would have been sad and weird. And so we decided that I would bike it instead, and I did. And that's the impetus behind the trip.
3: And and you raised money. You raise, um how much? Like thirty grand? More than thirty grand? Thirty thousand dollars. That's great.
1: So we raised that's thirty thousand dollars for an organization in the South Side called Lost Boys Inc. Uh, they do baseball and softball uh, programs for kids who can't afford them. Um, at the youngest levels and help foster, you know, joy for the game. And I actually got connected with them through Russ Dorsey, uh, who's a Chicago, longtime Chicagoan. And I was like, Hey, like, are there any organizations that you've done work with that you trust? Because I'm not in Chicago. I'm not from there. And, you know, I want to make sure that this money's going somewhere worthwhile. And he set us up with Lost Boys and Levante Stewart who runs that. And It was a really good experience and I'm happy we, we were able to raise that much money. And it's really a testament to all the people who follow us. Like, you know I put some money in but I didn't put in thirty thousand dollars of my own money like most of that is from 5 ten 25 dollar increments you know like we're like the, we're like the Bernie Sanders of raising raising money for baseball charity you know it's just it's a small donation that count <laughs>
0: uh first of all at ces barbecue on Twitter that link is still up there and active right if people yes. want to donate above where you've hit your goal
1: yes I mean our original goal was fifteen thousand so we doubled it um, and we pushed that new goal to 35, left it open for people for another couple weeks as I continue to do more and more fun media like this talking about the trip. I figured people might still be able to chip in a little bit.
0: Love it. Love it. Um, Jake, I was concerned. I got concerned at one point. Um, you had you had tweeted a video of you with an animal behind you, some sort of animal behind you. And I had texted the both of you <laughs> that it was very similar to the bit Andy Samberg did on SNL with Mark Wahlberg talking to animals. So I was number one concerned that you were just randomly talking to animals like Andy Samberg, and then number two, I got very concerned when you FaceTimed me from your bike. <laughs> And I appreciated it, but I was like, there was like a George of the jungle, watch out for that tree feeling I had during the phone call. And I was concerned that I was going to derail you into some sort of pine tree.
1: Uh, That was on day one. How did you do that? That was on day one also. So my setup physically on the bike, my phone essentially sat in the middle of my handlebars. And so without touching it, the camera was pointed directly at me, right? And so, like, I would call people, and I would just talk to them because, like, I could and it's a good to kill time. And I FaceTimed Jason during a particularly speedy descent and I wasn't looking uh, at Jason during that or anything, but I was talking to him. It was nice to have your company.
0: I was grateful to get the call. I was scared that you were like... You were gonna veer off into the brush.
2: You need to trust his. I mean, Jake accomplished a lot while on the bike, including tweeting out shout-outs and stuff. But I will say sometimes he would call me and like obviously it was just like just a gust of wind in the background. And I don't know why he expected me to be able to hear him. But you know, I just get there I was like, just just stop and call me. Like, I know you want to keep biking, but like if, you, like if I, it's urgent, you need to stop.
1: Like, I couldn't text. Like, texting on the bike uses my hands. But, like, if I'm wearing these headphones, you know, hey, Siri, FaceTime Jason Benetti. Like, that's easy, right?
3: Jake, I want to know um, any highlights about the journey in terms of beautiful areas you never knew about. Uh, some challenging hills, I'm sure,
1: along the way. The There are a couple of really stunning parts of it that stand out. Um, there was a path on day two that went along the Delaware river on the Pennsylvania side. That was really wonderful. Um, biking off of roads was always better. So whether that was like a paved bike trail, a gravel bike trail, or really just like a dirt road or a dirt hiking path. Um, my bike is very wide tires and allowed me to kind of explore some areas that I might not have been able to on a smaller bike. Um, and, but the, the, the part I'll always remember. It was day five which was my 130 mile day there was a stretch from about mile 15 to mile 30 uh, I would say it was between like a town literally called Jersey Shore Pennsylvania and a town called Lock Haven Pennsylvania about 20 miles east of State College that was just some of the most beautiful riding I've ever seen I was in this valley corn all around me misty morning like not another car or person in sight. And it was just me. And it was very relaxing. And I knew it was going to be the hardest day of the trip. And I really just took my time on that stretch and relaxed and enjoyed my surroundings. Um, That trip, uh, that day, like I said, was also the most difficult. The final climb of that day was 1,200 feet of climbing over six miles, um, which was like an average gradient of about 8% like up over the last Mm -hmm. two miles of that climb. It took me about 50 minutes to go five miles, Oof. which is, you know, not fast. Uh, and that was after 120 miles of riding. So it was like a very difficult climb. Uh, I had actually done it before. I had scouted it. I had reconned it um, once before because I knew it was going to be the hardest part of the trip. So I drove out there and did it like a couple months before. So I was going to be comfortable with it. This place called Crescent Ridge Summit um, in a right outside a place called Holidaysburg. Pennsylvania um which is just south of Altoona so it was it, the the moral of the story is right like you want to bike on roads where there aren't cars as much as possible so I saw a lot of Amish roads because you generally don't see a lot of cars on those roads um but all the beautiful sights were mostly in Pennsylvania rounding the corner on the lakefront on the last day though I'll never forget that that was that was really really memorable
0: A quick aside if you drive or bike through Pennsylvania, they add Berg and Ville and Town at the end of town names that already are finished. (laughs) Well
1: said.
2: Well said.
1: Holidays, Berg. Could just be Holiday.
0: Holidays, Berg, Ville, dumb. Like, guys, (laughs) this was over moments ago.
1: (laughs) I'm surprised it's not Pittsburghville.
3: Right. (laughs) Right. Right. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So So, those uh, are the ones that stand out. The last day in Chicago, I'll talk about that for a second. Like Jordan had planned a grand arrival for me around six o'clock at the rate outside. And (laughs) I got to Chicago. You basically, you, you bike north from Hammond, Indiana, essentially due north until you hit the water and then you're on the path um, along the river, or sorry, along the lake river, along the lake. And a family met me like at the border, these husband and wife and their one-year-old kid strapped to the back of the bike. And they basically rode me from there to like, Hyde Park, um, which was wonderful. I got myself a bottle of champagne and around 4.30, I had a glass of champagne, a foam styrofoam cup of champagne, uh, on the lakefront, um, at this point, kind of a little bit north of Hyde park, I'm sure someone knows what it's called. There it was like jutted out into the water. And I sat there for about an hour and milked the time until I had to be at the park at six o'clock. And then I biked the final four miles slower than I'd ever ridden a bike in my life and just crawled my way to guaranteed rate. Why? I wanted to really savor it. You know, I really wanted the last day to sink in. I had spent so much time rushing everywhere, uh, always thinking about the next thing, always planning out the next day, and I hadn't had any time to waste. And so I wasted the hell out of that time, just biking slow along the water, alone. You know, I had a that glass of champagne, I had a bag of uh, chessmen cookies, and it was like the most delicious meal I've had in my life.
3: Wow, that's great. Um... I want to derail the trip conversation, but I want to bounce around a little bit because there are probably a lot of people listening who are saying, I, I don't know who these guys are. And so Jordan, can we kind of go back to the beginning? And you guys have become really important baseball people in that you really accentuate the fun part of the game. You're young, which I think is really important for our sport. Um, but how did how did you guys get here?
2: Yeah, I mean, we we, we biked reflect here. on that all okay. the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So Jake and I have known each other for a long time. We we grew up in the same area outside of Washington D.C. and Maryland. Uh, we went to middle school together. We really did not like each other very much in middle school because I think we were, we were a little bit too similar in our in our small private school. We were kind of playing the same roles. Um, wait, wait, wait. wait. I've, so I've heard you say that before. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, like t- specifically, what though? Like, yes. what, so, like, what joke
0: would you both have told?
2: Well, uh, so if so, your grade is only like you know ninety people, you know, you there's only room for so many like class clown blonde kids that are pretty good at pickup basketball and like are both trying to like say enough things where you're you're we're trying to get the same girls' attention. We're trying to, you know, we're both. It was just it just kind of clashed to the point and where we couldn't really have our, our own lane.
1: It's important to point out that like I came from a smaller Jewish elementary school mm-hmm. and showed up to Jordan's slightly bigger Jewish school in middle school, mm-hmm. and I was the new kid. I thought I was you know the the hot thing on on campus.
2: Right. I was like, but no, I've been I've been running. I've been running these hallways yeah. since kindergarten. Like, let's be very clear about how this works. So, <laughs> no, I mean, I'm 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 dramatizing a little bit. But that's 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 basically what happened. But then come high school, um we were both really, really I mean, obviously we, we both liked baseball growing up, and 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 you know, Jake played little league and everything, and and I played a little bit, but we, you know, come high school, we were just really the only ones who were obsessed with baseball beyond the general like you know we grew up in the area okay some people were Nats fans oh the Nats are cool whatever but it was not this kind of intense interest curiosity love for the sport and it really just kind of defaulted to well like if I'm gonna have someone to talk about baseball like it's gonna it's gonna have to be Jake I just kind of accepted that Damn. and we started uh and we started talking all the time on on ye old Facebook messenger and um, wow 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 you know, I know, and we were just kind of just having these chats all the time. This is, you know, you know, junior year, and then and then senior years when we started our, our 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 blog, which was very much for ourselves, like the whole Sesame family Barbecue name, you know, in honor of 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 Yo's uh, video that he sent to all thirty clubs when he came over from Cuba. And at the end of it, he's you know roasting a pig on a spit. Like that was just an inside joke. We was just like, we love this baseball player. He's doing this funny, cool baseball thing. Like that's it. I don't have to explain this to Len Casper in 10 years. Like that's not going to be my problem, but <laughs> right, so, you know, that was, that was the way I was thinking about it. Right. So we was just like, hey, okay, this is funny. And we just wanted to have a place to have those conversations. And when we started our own podcast, we went to different colleges, it was just like, we just wanted to be in touch and have a place to talk about baseball every week with each other and, you know, stay, stay with it. And that's really how it started. And then the Twitter just grew from there. There wasn't really one moment. It was very, very gradual. And then, you know, relating back to the trip we just did, big a big thing that we were doing was going on the road every summer uh, and driving around the country and going to minor league games and meeting broadcasters and meeting players and meeting you know you know other media people and and people around the game and like that's really what kind of gave us um i I don't know if credibility is the right word but gave us a lot of connections to where even though we were still really young we were able to relate to a lot of different people in the in the baseball industry uh, and then, very fortunately, MLB hired us right when we graduated in 2017, and we we worked for for MLB.com for a couple of years, um, and then we had a show uh, with Dazone in 2019, and then we we joined the Ringer uh, podcast, and then you know Fox Sports this past year. So you know we bounced around a lot. We've been very fortunate to have continue to have platforms to continue to talk about and write about baseball. Uh, but it, it started really, really, really early. And, uh, but to your point, it's like, okay, yeah, these guys, they're young, essentially it's not rocket science, man. Like we're just, we are just trying to have a good time. We never thought we could out analyze, um, people. And so we were, there's no point in trying to do that. Like, let's just have a good time and hopefully people can relate to that. And we found that generally people do, but it is still really weird, you know, when we show up to Chicago and. There are people that have listened to our podcast since 2014, and it's and they're meeting us for the first time. Like it's very humbling, it's very cool, and it's we always have to remind us, like, oh no, people are still listening. Like Jake and I are just trying to have a good time and talk to each other, but we do know that we have a platform and audience, and we we hope we've been able to to make the most of that.
0: Uh, who would because I believe at some point your friendship needs to become a movie, because it's what friendship should be. Who would play the both of you and who would be who would be the antagonist to both of you? Like who is because you need to have a villain in a movie to create some sort of conflict. And I don't sense that you guys have a lot of open conflict other than maybe arguing over Eddie Guardado for some reason. But who would play you and who would be the villain in the movie from your lives like is there is there an antagonist
1: is it, is it bob nightingale like <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, mean, I mean i don't know if it's like if you're talking about like us as you know professional baseball people i mean i guess you could just pick whatever people are trying to not have fun with the game but like I don't know. In terms of like our personal lives, yeah, I mean, we we've had a lot of like personal conflict. We could go back farther to stuff that's not nearly as interesting. Um, I I gotta say, this is a great question and not one we've really ever gotten before. And so, credit to you, Jason. That's why there should
1: be no movie. There
0: should (laughs) that too. That too is that is unacceptable. (laughs) <laughs> like they made a movie. They made a mo- movie about friends who played tag over decades. Okay,
2: you guys can be a I movie. Know the bar's <laughs> I know the bar's low. I I understand that. Um, as
1: for who would play us,
2: hmm, hmm. Jason, do you have any Jordan, answers?
1: Jordan plays me. We just Ooh, flip it. That,
2: that would be pretty. That would be pretty. Do you, do you yeah. know how
0: much? Do you know how much you guys would hate that answer fifteen years ago
2: when middle <laughs> school started? Oh, you're right. Oh, I know, I know. Uh, but okay, so like, I don't know. I mean, we're also like not big movie people. So the, we're the wrong people to ask. So like, I'm, I'm, I would honestly trust you as the casting director, Jason, more than just about anybody. Um, so maybe, I mean, we'll circle back. I mean, you know, maybe there is a, a correct answer. Mm.
3: I want to get back to the... Uh, I don't like it. The, the more, <laughs> I want to get back to the more interesting question though. And uh, this gets touchy, I know but why and who would ever have a problem with you guys hmm. and i know
0: len len just like got booted off of the podcast in the middle of that so maybe <laughs> one of the people who brutal. hates you
2: just got <laughs> rid of him oh my god there, there there we go that was impeccable timing that was a I, that what a question oh he's back oh we're, we're back lens back
0: Len, one of their one of their haters just knocked you out before you could out them. <laughs> All right, ask the
2: question Aaron, again.
3: <laughs> so the most interesting question here. I want to go back to the uh, the industry stuff inside and who would not be fans of of, of you. Um, I've been in this game a long time, and I know that some people take maybe themselves in the game a little too seriously. No, I understand that, but no. Um, anyone who would have spent more than 40 seconds talking to either one of you would immediately like you. So I'm guessing any pushback or any negative feedback comes from people who really don't know anything about you. Is that a fair assessment?
2: Um, I think that's mostly fair. Like, I mean, I don't know. I would say, okay, so I have one answer that's like half a joke, um, but also kind of serious, which is that while we don't, you know, take the game too seriously. And we are always trying to have a good time. Um, We still had the Yankees. So Yankees fans uh, tend to uh, find some issues with us, as I think most general, like average neutral baseball observers don't like the Yankees. Like if we're going to, you know, anger one fan base and please 29 others, that's a pretty good way to do it. And that's pretty good ratio, I feel like. Um, So that's that's one example. But like, yeah, I guess sometimes we don't since we have a platform and we talk about baseball and we give our opinions, even though, again, we are not analysts, we say a lot of dumb things, as has been established on this podcast (laughs) many times, like we're going to be wrong. And that's okay because we're not trying to be like, the ones that are right all the time. So I guess specific fan bases if we feel like we're not giving them credit. But at the same time, I also feel like we have the advantage of that like I'm a Mariners fan, Jake's an Orioles fan. We root for bad teams and like we love watching everybody and yes there are teams that get more attention than others and we like obviously watch the white Sox a whole lot more than we watch some other teams um but we are not trying like there there's no level of baseball i think this trip just proved it we saw a game in indie ball we saw a game in the draft league we saw triple a we saw double a we saw high a we saw big league games like we want it all we want to we were watching kbo at five in the morning we're watching olympic baseball like that's what it that's what it's about like we can't get enough of the sport itself and so that opens it up to Hopefully, always be able to relate with, to someone about their team, about their favorite player, about their sport. And that's what I think helps us to the most part because people know that we do probably care about, I and mean, not to mention college. I mean, that's a whole other time thing we spend a ton of time on, right? So, like, generally, I think that helps us and we can't always relate to people. But I, I think
1: know. when we started out, though, like, we didn't have the feel that we do now. I think when we were younger and in college, like, we probably did and said some things that, like, we obviously wouldn't do or say now. And I mean that, like, not necessarily from, like, saying offensive stuff. Like, I don't really think we said anything that was like, you know, we weren't like vitriolic or anything like that. But I think that there are certainly some things where we didn't have the tact or like, we made fun of people in the industry without understanding the full picture without knowing the industry. And a lot of that was because we're 18, and 19 years old, like we were, were, we were stupid, we're still stupid, right. And I think being in the world of baseball and understanding what the things are to critique and how, and how to do that appropriately, and getting, having a fuller picture of it from inside the belly of the beast when we worked at MLB, I think gave us a more sophisticated understanding of like, okay, well, if MLB wants to do this new deal with Barstool, like we're gonna, like, that's not great. Like, I don't think that's great. And I'm willing to critique that, right? Whereas, like, if one broadcaster, like, I don't know, say non-Jason Benetti category, makes a mistake where they, like, call, like, they get a call wrong or, like, they lose their mind or, like, they cite RBIs or they, like, that's something that I would have made a lot of fun of for eight years ago. I'd be like, oh, Jason Benetti's using RBIs. Like, this guy's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Whereas, like, now, I, whatever. Like, there's bigger fish to fry here. If that makes sense. And so yeah, I think- but I also
3: yeah, but I also think that people in our position, Benetti and, and me, we need to also take ourselves less seriously. And like if I say something stupid, you should tweet. And even if we know each other, that should be okay. And I, I feel like Twitter's this weird place where people randomly will dish it out and can't take it and if the goal here is to kind of poke fun at the bear uh sometimes the bear can poke back too and that's the thing that yeah. I struggle with is like I I'm fine with people crushing me but then every once in a while I would reply and would try to be fun about it and then people would be like why are you piling on this guy and I'm like well he actually said something to me and then I'm like it's not worth it so I get I get what you're saying there Jake but I also hope that Having your insider status doesn't take away your comedic chops, so to speak, where <laughs> you're not no, afraid to still that, poke people yeah. a little bit. I think, oh it's no, good. they're not funny
0: bit. anymore, they're definitely <laughs> yeah, not funny,
1: I, but I think it's like, I don't know, I think it's like just not being mean about it, right? Like, understanding that most people in your position and most people in baseball, even like GMs who I think are doing bad work like they're doing their best and they have reasons for the decisions that they make and like I will never know them. And unless someone is doing something illegal or I find to be immoral, like who am I to say anything? I don't have the full picture. And I think that's something that we've learned a lot with age.
2: So, so I would I would sorry, I just wanted to add one more thing just about cuz Len brought up Twitter like that's obviously where we've made our that's our platform. Like that's how we've grown. That's how we continue to reach the most number of people. And it is, it is a, it is an ugly space. It is a, it is an exhausting area to exist in. Um, and I think that like a lot of the times something that we have both learned for the best is just like, one, it's just good to just log off every once in a while. But even more importantly, even if we're all still doom scrolling like the rest of us, like we're, we're all guilty of that. I, I totally I'm, I'm there 100 percent. Right. But you don't have to put something out. You just don't. You don't have to say something. And this is something we learned early on is I think even the first few years, it was like, oh, there's a big game. We got to got to tweet, got to say something, got we got to, but it's like, if, if they're not, people are going to be like, oh no, why haven't they said anything? <laughs> like, what did job rule how have to say works. at a
1: time like this? <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's
2: just not how it's going to work. So, uh, and, you know, yeah, everything that we do, um, should be motivated by our actual genuine interest and our actual genuine opinion, our actual motivation to like contribute and say something that we, we feel like, you know, is, is fun. We think people will enjoy it, but it's not a matter of like, Oh, I better say something. Cause that's, and that's when you get into trouble. I think
1: just to open the door up a little bit, like there was a point in my life and I'm not going to speak for Jordan where my life on Twitter was the totality of my being. Like it was, it was the, the basis of my sense of self in a very unhealthy way. And I have spent a lot of time and energy over the last handful of years to to pry myself away from that. To understand that like the things that you do outside of that space, outside of the internet as a whole, are what define you. I mean, if you go on Twitter and you say some heinous stuff, like you should get clapped back and like you should face some repercussions, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that like, that was my self worth was on that website, right? And like, I have learned that like the things that you do beyond that space are more important and are more lasting and are more impactful and utilizing the platform that we do have for good is that's my responsibility, right? That's my job. And it's not to develop like a comprehensive opinion on every last baseball thing that trickles down the chain. That's exhausting. That's not a way to live life or, you know, be happy or be productive. And I think that took a lot of time and growing up for me personally to understand that. Um, And now I'm not saying I have it all figured out, you know, I got to, huge peanut butter stain on my new Tim Anderson jersey that I'm currently wearing. But I do have a better sense of myself now than I think I did a handful of years ago of like how we fit in the space and how we can be a productive member of the kind of online baseball world.
3: One thing I'll add to that, a personal story uh, from recent weeks after the Cubs made all of their trades. uh, A couple days later, I looked at my my Twitter feed and I noticed I got A lot of tweets basically saying, I'm angry with you for not giving your opinion of what just occurred. And I made a conscious effort to not tweet about what the Cubs did because I'm not there anymore. And also, what did I have to add to the conversation, right? So, you know, you bounce back and forth between you have people who follow you for certain reasons. And then it's like, it's just not. I had nothing to add. And I'm sure Benetti, you've been in that spot too, where things happen and you're like, oh yeah, nope. Just gonna leave it.
0: I decided very early, and you'll you'll see it in my feed, unless there's a really like dramatic reason. I never respond. I like never respond to things. I tweet stuff and leave it, which is very like self motivated for my own health. I never respond. I don't have discussions. I don't have. I will text you if I want to, and I don't favorite things either or like things because, like, my two likes right now are Ashley Rodan's tweet about Carlos's no hitter and James McCann's tweet about Geo's no hitter. Those are my two likes. Two beautiful on, marriages on Twitter right now. Those are the two because, like, I think everybody who knows me well enough knows that I laugh easily and that if they tweeted something at me, like I'll mention it in conversation or something. But I like as as you said that, Jake, it seems like and Len, too, as you're talking, it seems like the best answer to everybody who's listening to this podcast, a very online capital V, capital O, right? Like the answer is get on a bike.
1: (laughs) yeah i'm not even kidding like i'm i'm being slightly
0: snarky but also really like full circle ish here i think isn't that to me that's interesting jake that like you were trying to pry yourself away from the internet and you bike 1200 miles after a hot take
1: yeah no i mean i think that the trip is pretty indicative of of how I choose to interact with the internet in a way where it's like utilizing it to the best of my ability for good, but also not living on it as much as I once did. And like, I again, like, I don't want this to be a whole treatise on like the internet. Like, th- again, I did just watch Bill Burnham's special and it's all I'm thinking about right now. That being said, like, there are there's a lot of good on the internet where it's like, you know, there are people who don't have platforms, people who have been, you know, under in history, mostly like women, people of color who can use Twitter as a means to gain like credence in industries where they previously been shut out. And like, that's important. And it's important to call people out for their BS online when they do BS online. And I'm not saying that that's not all key. Like, I'm just saying, I'm just saying that like, I realized that there's a balance there, that there is an, like, I'm not saying leave the internet forever. I'm not saying go bike to Chicago. I'm not saying be like Jack Kerouac and like walk into the woods. Like I'm saying like maybe an hour less a day, maybe a half hour less a day. It might make you feel a little bit better. Don't cut it out completely. It's like the same way that maybe you approach certain types of foods. Like, oh, I'm just gonna eat that a little bit less. I'm gonna pick up a book instead of just just clicking the bird. And we've been thankful to the bird. Shouts out to the bird. We wouldn't be here without Twitter. We know that. But at the same time, like, it 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 can't be your life and if it's your life then um that's just it's just a tough way to grind through every day
0: i um i want to veer a little bit we got a couple minutes left with you guys um i think i know the answer to this but uh which white Sox player have you had the longest relationship with in terms of you knowing them well carlos Carlos Rodon. Number one, one, yeah. How Uh, long?
1: He was a sophomore going into his senior year, maybe. Or junior year, sorry, at uh, NC State. We connected with him through the internet, through the Twitter. See? The Twitter. And uh, had him on our podcast a handful of times when he was literally still a kid. And then stayed in contact with him as he went up through the minors when he was good. And then, I don't know if you know, he was bad. And then now he's good again. And we we had breakfast with him when we were in Chicago couple of days ago. And like, that's just kind of a cool relationship that like really, I think is meaningful to us in a way where like, he's watched us grow up and we've kind of watched him grow up from afar. Um, anything else, Jordan?
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I, it, it is really cool. And, and, you know, I think White Sox fans have, have obviously gotten to know Carlos over the last few years. Um, but he's, it's, it is, it is one of the, we have a few friends like that and we've known Lucas Giulio for, for a long time too, back to his time in the minors. But, uh, but with Carlos, since it stretches back to, we were both in college, right? And we were both kind of just like figuring it out. And we talked to him and going into that junior year, he was a huge deal. He was supposed to be the number one overall pick. Um, he had come off this unbelievable sophomore year, an amazing summer, and and at that point, that was one of the first for us. It was like, oh my god, like we have like a real big deal baseball connection. Like, but also he's just a couple years older than us, and also in college, so like it was this friendship. But I also remember still being like pretty starstruck early on, and so to kind of go through all those waves with it is 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 really cool, and and it 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 pays off just because like he he's checking in to make sure Jake is alive on the bike trip, you know, like that's, (laughs) and that's, you know, partially because he finds it hilarious, just like everyone else. But um, those relationships mean a lot. And I know it's, you know, it's a little weird. And and some people have asked us about this before. It's like, okay, well, like, what are you guys like? You're not journalists, but like, like you're friends with players. You're still journal. Like, is, is it weird? It's like, I don't know what we are like. We we just talk about baseball. Like the the friendships with the players obviously pays off professionally, but we also hope that it brings together like just a genuine thing that like we realize how cool it is and, and fortunate we are to have met all these people in in the baseball space. And we hope that we can share that with people. We hope that we can take those conversations and and bring those to others and and make people like Carlos Rodon, right? Like that's that's the goal. If if they're our friends, like we want people to know about them. And obviously this year and. Watching the Lucas turn around in particular has just been so surreal, um, over the last three years. It's, it's, it's very humbling. It's very rewarding. And, and to be able to, to call them friends is, is very cool.
3: What, and Benetti, I'm going to ask you this too, What's the dumbest baseball opinion you've ever had. And I'll start in fairness. <laughs> Ooh, I, I see yeah. the Cubs world series ring ceremony in 17. And this is not an excuse, but Anthony Rizzo said it. And so I borrowed the line. And as we did the ring ceremony, I said, in a future MVP, Addison Russell. So that's the one that I still get <laughs> tweeted about. That's I, I own it. I own it. You know, when, when he was coming up, I thought he had a chance to be, to be, uh, you know, Barry Larkin. I really did. Um, so the dumbest baseball opinion that sticks to Ooh. you to this day.
2: Oh my God. I mean, I will say along those lines, like there are a lot of players where you just get so sucked in and you're like, this is it. This is the guy. This is, I mean, Russell couldn't make the Kiwi Heroes. I mean, my God, that got bad in a hurry. But okay, I think. Oh my, is there one that stands out? Like, that's the thing. I feel like I could just come up with a list of 30 players. That I was mean, like, I said the White
1: Sox were never going to hire Tony LaRusso. There <laughs> yeah, you know. go. That, that, Hi, sorry, that might be the answer, dude. Like,
2: um, I, I don't know. Like, this is super... Re- like, there have also been some, like, team-specific ones. I, this is super recency bias, but, like... I don't know. I thought the D-backs were going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, I thought okay. the twins were going to be great, you know? like, yeah. But these things change so quickly that, like, when it's team stuff, it's hard to get so mad about. Players specifically, I feel worse about because, like, it is an individual. You are – it is something that you think the player themselves can control, can become something, whereas, like, the team, there's always so many contextual things that you've never seen coming. And so I don't feel as bad about those, but I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of, like, a specific player – on like my favorite team that I thought was gonna be awesome.
1: I mean I know, like, Jake,
2: do you have any specific ones?
1: Like Tyler Rogers on the Giants. I thought he was butt. Like I thought he was not good. Like I watched so much of him last year. I was a college <laughs> sign armor and there was just he was throwing 82. I was like, there's no way he's gonna figure out he's been the best reliever in baseball. That's a guy I was wrong about. Uh, this is sad for a different reason because he's had some off the field struggles, but Andrew Tolls there's a player who, when he was yeah. up with the, the Dodgers, I was—I think I tweeted something that was like, "I would rather have Andrew Tolles and Clint Frazier, or like I, or like rather have him than Alex Verdugo." Like I was all in on Andrew Tolles. I mean, that's different because he's had a lot of mental health struggles and hasn't been able to stay on the field or whatever. But that's just a guy who I was very in on who didn't end up hitting out.
2: Here's another one. Here's another one. I'll admit, I was also pretty pessimistic about Shohei Ohtani the hitter. <laughs> Really? Yes. Yes. Uh, Not, not as, not like, okay, whatever. The Jeff Passan article where it was like, he sucks in spring training, so he sucks. But like, (laughs) I don't know. Like I, that was, that's definitely one that I have continued to be uh, fairly floored by.
3: You're not alone,
2: though. There were scouts who said he wouldn't hit. Right, right. So uh, that was one. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I would just say it's more individual. Jason. Jason, Yeah, Jason, you got one. Come on. Jacob Brown
1: would never hit enough to be a big leaguer. Nice. He's <laughs> kind
0: of right. Nice. Um, I think around eight or nine years old, I definitely thought bunting was a good idea.
1: It is a good idea.
0: <laughs> um, no, no, I will say this. I will say this. Watching Olympic baseball and seeing the run scoring environment in Olympic baseball, it's a totally different deal than Major League Baseball right now. There's not as many home runs hit. It is valuable in that run scoring environment and the way strikeouts are minimized in Olympic baseball. So that's, I don't know why that happened. What I just said for the last 30 seconds. Yeah, <laughs> Can they, I extrapolate
1: they, a point? Please that.
0: extrapolate.
1: Something that is very important to me, Jordan is hammering home to people that major league baseball, while great is not the totality of baseball, that whether that is the style of play or the apparatus of MLB, whatever, they do not control the sport. They are the number one thing in the sport. And they are, you know, I think Kai Correa, one of my favorite people in baseball, described MLB as El Dorado, right? It is, it is, it is the golden land. And that is true. But it is not the be-all and end all necessarily. And that there is beauty in other types of baseball, whether it is Olympic baseball or the minors or uh, you know, winter league or college ball or terrible division three college ball. Like that is all worth watching. And those styles of play are valid for their own sakes. And like bunting, would I bunt with Cody Bellinger? Well, maybe right now, because he's been terrible, but you know, <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Right. Would I bunt in a D three game with the tying run on second base and no one out? Like probably because the dude probably going to get out like baseball yep. needs to be viewed People view it all through an MLB lens, right? And, like, that's not right. always the case. Winter Ball is a great example of that. Like, you know, I spent three months down in the Dominican a couple years ago. And there were, like, I probably saw 10 home runs in three months. <laughs> like, yeah, you should probably <laughs> butt. <be fun. laughs>
2: um, I also would say, I mean, as soon as we're getting off this pot, I'm about to turn the Little League World Series regionals on. I mean, like, I I will just take in. And, that talk about bad baseball. Talk about, you know, talk about some sloppy play. But – look, man, we just, we just love it. Like that's as if anyone, you know, has met us, like it is very much not an act. This is what we're doing when we're recording podcasts, when we're not recording podcasts, when we're, like, this is what we want to think about. This is what's driven us to where we've gotten to, to be. It is, is we, we can't get enough. And maybe one day, maybe one day we will get burnt out. Um, and we do get tired. We do get, we, you know, we, 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 sometimes we, we realize we have to take a step back, but in general, the sport itself, we do not tire of.
0: I've never asked you this, and we'll let you go in a minute here. I've never asked you this. And and Jordan, when you were talking about you guys and Carlos Rodon, you described it as the two of us, meaning you both together and Carlos. So it was like, you know, if you have friends named, if you have friends who are twins and they say, my mom, and they're in the, the presence of the other person, I think like it's it, weird to me, but you guys are so connected as friends personally I wonder why you decided not to sign your tweets when you started. Mm-hmm.
2: Good question. I would also say like the, the situation you just described is something I encounter all the time in my personal life. If I'm meeting someone and talking about what I do, it's just instinct to say we, it's instinct to say, oh, you know, they, you know, they wanted to send us to go here. We were doing this. We were doing this. And sometimes I'm I have to stop myself and realize oh this person I just met has no freaking idea who why is he saying we like what do you mean like isn't it just your job like what um, but we've been fortunate uh, to essentially do this together the whole way um and so that's that's been very cool but but to your point right why did we sign it because first of all it's not that important <laughs> when we were putting out random uh, baseball uh, you know baseball bad takes or you know jokes and whatever it was just like look let's let's do this together that we always talked about how there were subtle ways where you could tell we used to when we were in college we would geotag our tweets a lot so if one of them was coming from you know missouri it was jake if It If was coming from ohio it was me but you know i also tweet also usually in lowercase so people kind of know that but like that's really how we do it like and also you think I'm gonna waste three characters to write Js like come on now you, you, <laughs> it, 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 even with 280, you got to make sure you're using that that real estate as, as best you can, especially when you're you know coming up with your mean Mercedes fun facts or whatever like you you can't be wasting time with trying to be like, hey, that was Jordan like it's just not that big of a deal <laughs> so yeah
0: um, so I wonder um, if you guys were to become like the gallaghers of Oasis where this okay. very deep schism or divide ripped through you, crushing the souls of all baseball people who follow you, what one topic would most likely create that <laughs> earthquake that drives you both apart forever and for always?
1: Wow. What a freaking question.
2: Probably eating oysters. I would say that's probably a I had to- a
1: dozen last night and thought about you, Jordan.
2: Oysters when I remember very vividly we were in Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge
1: Baton Rouge
2: Baton Rouge uh in 2015 and like of course you get oysters when you're down in Louisiana but I was just so repulsed I almost just walked out of the, the restaurant but uh besides that I think that's really it I don't know
1: otherwise <laughs> I, I think like, yeah. that I that won't happen we'll bail from the baseball world before we hate each other is what I'd say, like, I, we do what we do together, because we like one another, and it makes our lives much easier, because like, there's almost an unconditional respect and appreciation for one another, and like, you know, Jason, I'm sure this is something that you've experienced to an extent with, with Stone, like, it makes your life a lot easier, when you know, and trust the person that you're working with every day, and like, I'm no, for sure, not to name names, you've probably both been on broadcasts with people who you didn't know very well or maybe you didn't like and that's okay and you deal with it and you're a professional but like we don't have to do that like i know every day that i love jordan jordan loves me and there's an appreciation there that's a decade old and like the second that i don't get to really experience it anymore i'll go do some like you know i think and you know one of the few reasons why we i think left mlb amongst other like they started, I think, to deprioritize us as a unit in a lot of ways. You know, they had us doing a lot of different things and like we wanted to be together and like we wanted to do stuff together, you know, and it's pretty much as simple as I like making things with my friend and we've been fortunate enough to turn that into a job and into a life. And people are like, oh, do you envision in a world where like you guys like do your own thing? Like that maybe like we write our own stuff independently of one another, but All I know is that today and tomorrow and the next day, like I want to make funds over Jordan. And like, I don't anticipate a world where that's not the case.
0: That's an awesome place to finish. Gentlemen. Thank you.
2: Thank you both. Thank you. Thanks guys. Jordan
0: Schusterman, Jake Mintz. Uh, One last time for people. They can find it at Cespedes BBQ on Twitter, but anywhere else that you'd like to point them if they want to donate after your ride.
1: Yeah, you can go to—I mean, just you can donate straight to Lost Boys. It doesn't have to be through our situation. You can find us on Chip In, which is the website that we've been using to rack up donations. Um, that's all I got for you. Watch life. Thanks, boys. Okay.